Hello and welcome to Your Life Choices with me, John Deeks. Peace, calm, mindfulness, enlightenment. Well, these are all appealing concepts, but, well, they never seem to be within our grasp. Uh, Certainly not of the everyday person. With all our responsibilities in life, we're busy, some of us just don't get it, and we hear about meditation and all the rest of it, but how do you do it? What's good for us? Why is it so good? Luke McLeod knows all about this. He's been doing this for some time now. used to be in the Army. He's been on telly, and he's written a fabulous book called Every Day Enlightenment. It probably should be every person's enlightenment as well because it is for everybody. Luke's on the line. G'day, Luke. G'day. How you doing? I'm John? doing very, very well. Are you calm? When I rang you yesterday, you were out in the out in the garden. Were you meditating <laughs> or were you weeding? I was. That's one of my everyday enlightenment activities is getting out in the garden. One of my uh, favourite places to be and it certainly is a wonderful place to bring in some calmness into uh, anybody's life. So, uh Yeah, I missed your call, but we're catching up now, which is great. (laughs) My son's 29, and he is in a very high-powered and very intense job, but he loves meditation. Yeah. And I I just want you to explain how you came to meditation and how it has enhanced your life. Well, probably a similar reason to why your son got into it. When I originally got into it, I was in my early 20s, and I was very uh, career-hungry. I wanted to uh, change the world. And I looked up to people like Steve Jobs, the really successful entrepreneurs of that time. And what I found, which was really fascinating, is that a lot of these people who were performing at their best, and it wasn't just in business, but it was in other fields. It might have been the arts. It could have been sport. A lot of them meditated. And I just found that fascinating at the time because back then I I thought that meditation was for hippies, you know, something that people did in Byron Bay and, and uh, not high-powered, high-performing executives. And But when I looked at these mentors and people who I really looked up to, they meditated and I thought, okay, well, there's got to be something to this. So I gave it a go and I found it did really help me, particularly with my work. And so I used it as a tool for probably about five years to help me with my work, you know, and, and being more productive. I felt clearer throughout the day. I felt I was making better decisions with my life and at work. And it wasn't until probably after five years after I used it as a performance tool when a series of things happened in my personal life that really were quite difficult. Well, well you haven't been shy in talking about it, so uh, let's talk <laughs> about it now. Yeah, well, I think everybody has at some point in their life goes through something difficult, whether it's a passing of a loved one, mm. whether it's a health scare, whether firing, you know, you, you lose your job, whatever it might be. A few things happened in uh, a very short period of time in my life and within three months of each other. So my relationship broke down. I was in a long-term relationship, a 10-year relationship. I had a falling out with one of my best friends, which was very difficult. And he, he was around the same age as, as me. Your business, uh, business failed. Business failed. And your father was diagnosed with cancer. Yes. This, this was not a good time in Luke's life. Well, when it rains, it pours. And, you know, up until that point, I had lived a fairly comfortable and content life. And as I said, I had used meditation, so I was familiar with it and using it as a performance tool pretty much. But it, it wasn't until that point where all these things happened and I really couldn't turn to anywhere or anyone else in my life because everything was kind of imploding. So I really only had myself and that's when I delved into the depths of meditation 
and it saved me. It, it saved my life. Did you pick up a book? Did you go to somebody? Did you go to India and, and to an ashram or what happened? Yeah, it was. It, you nailed it, uh, put the nail on the head there. It, it was one of those, I like to call it an eat, pray, love moment. And, you know, that book is famous for a lady having a moment where she just books a one-way ticket to India. And, and that's pretty much what I did. Fair um, Wow. Yeah. It, it was a bit serendipitous. And what happened, it, it didn't go quite like that, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the quick story is I was sitting in my room and in all my darkness and worry and I was just like, what am I going to do? And what does one do is try to distract themselves. I turned on Netflix and hoping that I would just get a a bit of a break from my mental state for half an hour. And and what popped up on Netflix was a new documentary that had just come out about a a gentleman called Ram Dass. And Ram Dass was a professor at Harvard. And he actually got booted out of Harvard back in the 70s for exper- experimenting with psychedelics and went to India where he met his guru and came back and he, he was really one of the pioneers of bringing meditation, particularly TM, which is Transcendental Meditation, back into the West. And I'd watched this documentary and I just found it fascinating. And there was one of these moments where he, uh, he went to this town in northern India and it was called McLeod Gunj. And my surname's McLeod. And I was just like, right, Hello. I don't know whether it's fate or Hello. whatever, but I just, yeah, I booked a one-way ticket. And I said, that's where I need to go and hopefully find some answers. And the next day I, uh, I booked the ticket. Within a week I, I was there and was wandering around the cafes and the different temples there hoping to find a guru. <laughs> Did you? No. <laughs> ah, what no. happened? What happened? Well, it didn't quite pan out the way I thought it would, but what I did find was some incredible centers, meditation centers there. And there was two in particular. There's a place up there and it's at the foothills of the Himalayas. So it's an absolutely magical, special place. There's two centers there. One was called Tushita and that it's predominantly known for its Buddhist meditation teachers and teachings. And his, his holiness, the Dalai Lama is, is a spiritual guide there as well. So I thought, okay, well, this has definitely got to be the place if, I, if I'm going to learn something about myself and how to get through this all this emotional distress that I'm currently experiencing, this is the place. And I did find a lot of answers there. It was quite profound, uh, to say the least, of what I was able to discover what was going on with myself and how to deal with things. And then there was another centre called uh, the Vipassana, Vipassana Centre, and they're famous for their 10-day silent retreats. So, And that really taught me a lot as well, going through that experience and the books I read there and and I stayed with a, an Indian uh, family, a homestay there, and just the way of living and culture and how meditation is ingrained in their lives, it, it was transformative. And I came back from that experience, and I was like, wow, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to be able to share this with other people, and that's what I've been doing ever since. Okay, so not everyone can go to India. Not everyone can get themselves a guru. Um, but yeah. what can one do? And certainly one could you know, pick up a copy of Everyday Enlightenment, which is out and available now. But uh, in everyone's life, and, and we we're talking about people who are 55 plus, what are some of the clues? Where, I mean, apart from buying the book, what else can one do? Well, that's so true. That's the whole reason why I, I wrote the book is to break down a lot of the challenges, even the, the myths and, and stigmas that, can often be associated with meditation these days. And I think if I was to roll it up into a couple of my favorite and most impactful tips on how to make it as easy as possible, the big one which 
made a big difference in my life and the effectiveness of meditation was how I actually saw it and approached it. I think these days meditation can be seen as almost like a pill that you pop in some ways as a means to an end to solving a problem. And there's nothing wrong with that, to be honest with you, John, in, in using meditation that way. I just find that you won't enjoy it as much and you won't stick with it and it won't be as effective as it can be if you treat it in that manner. And the reason being, it's like treating it as a chore, you know, something that you just have to do. Whereas if you approach it and you see it in, in a way where it's something that you enjoy doing, find the joy in it. I love meditating. It's like but, my favourite meal. But Luke, how do you do it? Do I, I mean, do I, do I lie on the bed? Do I sit down? Can you do it in the, in the train? Can you do it on the ferry? Can you do it in, in a chair? Where, where do you meditate? Where can one meditate? Well, it's, it's a wonderfully easy practice, but it's also incredibly hard, which is a, a bit of a paradox in, it, in, in that way. And, and what I mean by that is, yeah, you can do it literally anywhere. We could do it right here, right now while we're talking. I could, you know, do a very quick exercise and you tell me what you feel. So, okay, go ahead. All right. So what I want you to do now is just to see if you can really zoom into the very end point of your left index finger. Yes. Now just focus on that small area, left index finger. I can sort of focus on that, yeah. Yeah, and, and I mean that's, we're meditating. So all we're doing now is we're connecting with something in the present moment. Now that can be a bodily sensation like the air moving out of your nostrils, uh, the feeling of whatever that sensation was at the tip of your fingers, it can be connecting with an intro. What one my mum used to do, which I've been able to do, and when I go, when I do have a, like an operation or I'm in the dentist chair or somewhere like that, I can just mm. close my eyes, slow my breathing down, and just relax and let everything drip away from me. Is that meditating? It is, yeah. And I call it, or it's commonly called to um, in the meditation circles as a body scan. So body scanning is when, when you're slowing your breathing and you're focusing on different areas of your body, you're really connecting with the here and now as it, using a sensation and actively releasing tension within the muscles. So it's doing two wonderful things. It's connecting yourself to the here and now, which is really refreshing and restorative for the mind. In other words, it's shifting it out of its thinking mode where we spend so much of our waking life stressing, worrying, doing, problem solving, chatting, processing information – and just for those quick moments where you feel your breath, you slow it down, you connect with your sensations within the body, that in itself is like putting the mind in neutral gear, giving it a break. And it's wonderfully restorative for the mind and the body and the soul. When someone picks up a copy of your book, Everyday Enlightenment, what kind of guidelines are there within that to, to help? Yeah, well, I, I talk about the three main stages of meditation. And someone, particularly if they're starting out or they've never done it before, is following this three-step process, which I think is a, a wonderful way of getting into meditation and, and using it and making it a lifelong habit that you love doing. And so the first stage is called the relief stage, and it's purely just using meditation for relief, like what we've just spoken about. Mm -hmm. It's just giving yourself some time and space for some relief. And we are in desperate need of relief in our society to be able to relax breathe, connect, and just let go. All right, so I guide people through on how to do that first and foremost, settle the mind. Once you've done that, then we can move into the healing stage. And if you want to go there, it can be difficult, 
So that's the place where we've, we can begin to use meditation as a vehicle to processing trauma, difficult emotions, sorting out all those not so comfortable things that we all have within ourselves, whether it's something in our past or even something that we might be struggling in the present. So I talk about how to do that in, in stage two. And then the last stage is called the happiness stage, which is using meditation to really squeeze as much as we can out of life and how to get those feelings of connection, feelings of gratitude, feeling of oneness and using meditation for that. So it's a bit of a process and that's what I use the book to guide people through to help them with that, you know, to live their best life. I'm feeling better already, Luke McLeod, um, and I'm serious about <laughs> that. I'm not just being trite. Uh, obviously, I'm very fortunate that, um, you know, I was given some tools as a, as a little kid, uh, even though I'm in my 70s, but uh, I really would advise people if you've got some summer reading that you'd like to grab a hold of Everyday Enlightenment by Luke McLeod, a great read, and it's going to be to be able to feed your soul and perhaps to give you some guidelines as to how to navigate this very, very complex world and life we live in. Luke, thank you so much for giving up your time and uh, get out to the garden again, son. <laughs> thank you so much, John. It was an absolute pleasure. Luke McLeod, the book is called Everyday Enlightenment. Uh, I would suggest you grab a hold of it. It is a great read. And thank you for joining us for this episode of Your Life Choices. Your Life Choices.